Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leo Alves podcast and in today's podcast episode I have a guest with me it's been a while since I've last had a guest on and I haven't been doing many guest episodes uh, for a while now I guess I'm just really enjoying the solo ones but in today's episode I have a guest who's been on a few times now I think this might be his fourth ep- third or fourth episode it's Miguel you might have listened to our previous episodes together so in that case, I'm going to assume you have. So what we'll do is like, you can introduce yourself maybe in like 30 to 60 seconds, and then we can go from there. All right. Thank you very much. Actually, I think it's the second episode. <laughs> no? No. D- that- yeah, I can I can remember two at least from the top of our head. So this is the third then. Okay. I just remember the, the caffeine one that I was like low caffeine. Um, um, no. Oh, we have another one on YouTube already. It could be. It could be uh but yeah you know it's uh great being here uh quick elevator pitch um i'm also a fitness and nutrition coach i um i'm a big muscle and food nerd my first love was actually for food because i wanted to become a chef um growing up i actually went to cooking school for three years but then eventually moved um to london to pursue a master's degree in sport and exercise nutrition um because ultimately fitness was always one of my you know biggest passions started working with people some uh, athletes as well and that was about five years ago that was in 2019 which is crazy um and yeah that's that's what i've been up to lately okay all right so there you have it your uh, uh 60 second uh, introduction so before we go into the rest of the episode and speak about what i had in mind today i just wanted to give you a heads up that i feel like the coffee i had this morning was way too strong and uh, it's made me feel a little bit jittery and uh, and I've never felt this before from coffee apart from the one time I had two cups back to back within my first ever week of trying coffee when I was back at, in my final year of university and that was weird but then on uh, when and but in recent times like just in the past week I've had this feeling again and I'm just starting to feel like man I need a, a break from caffeine because it's not a nice feeling and um, on that note before we go into what like the main topic i had to speak about today are you doing like a caffeine break right now because i know every once in a while you'll like to do that you know and i guess uh, extending on the previous episode we had uh yeah that's a good question i actually just uh got back from a, a break maybe three weeks ago i think um basically uh long story short uh last october november and a bit of december i was traveling uh i was in asia so singapore uh, doing a, a program for entrepreneurs like uh, Erasmus program. Um, and two things. Number one, coffee is pretty expensive over there. And number two, because of the jet lag, I actually uh, didn't have any coffee for a few days. So I thought, you know what, I might just go again uh, caffeine free while I'm here. And then uh, I started having coffee every now and then. And now I'm back to having uh, one coffee per day, but that's about it. Uh, I used to have two to three. Now I'm just having one. It's usually my pre-workout or uh, a morning cup of coffee in the morning uh, as soon as I wake up after breakfast. Um, and that seems to be doing the job. Like I don't necessarily need it. Like if I skip it, I don't feel uh, you know any headaches, any withdrawal symptoms. Um, and if I do take it, honestly, I don't really feel much of a difference but 
I do enjoy the ritual, so that's why I decided to kind of keep it. Yeah, I think that's very much like me. Like it's, it's just become such a staple in the morning. Like the morning doesn't feel the same without my coffee, even though sometimes, often I, I won't feel the difference. But yeah, today's feeling isn't. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a, like that reminder that I probably should have a break, even though I only have a coffee a day, which is uh, the strange part. So you actually brought up the topic that I wanted to speak about. So how were your travels around Asia? Um, I know you went to quite a few countries. Maybe you could mention which one, uh, which ones you went to, because I know you went to quite a few, I feel like. And uh, how long were you there for in total? Uh, it was seven weeks, so just short of two months. And which countries did you go to? Uh, so the main one was Singapore. That was like the, the base. Um, and then I ended up going to Hong Kong, uh, Seoul. So that's South Korea. And then uh, Penang, which is uh, Malaysia. Okay. So there was actually one thing I, I thought would be quite interesting uh, to speak about a little bit more that I saw. I remember seeing it on one of your stories one time about how the Singaporean government, I think, incentivizes Mm -hmm. that uh, the the population to stay healthy somehow and i can't remember what that somehow was exactly i think they subsidized like gym membership or something i can't remember yeah yeah was that it yeah so so yeah like tell me a bit more about that if 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 you know more <laughs> so i don't know you know the the full story or all the details but uh so long story short, gyms are very expensive in Singapore. Uh, basically, Singapore is a very uh, small, um, like the city is very small. This means that the rent prices are quite expensive, uh, meaning if you have a gym, you have to pay rent. Therefore, um, your membership is also going to be expensive because of that. Um, and just to give you an idea, if you're staying short term, which means anything below three months, uh you kind of have to pay um i'm going to call them tourist prices because if you're staying uh longer than 3 months the the prices are considerably cheaper but in my case i was just staying there again for 7 weeks um and for a month of uh a basic gym i was looking at almost i believe 200 to thir uh 200 to 300 euros uh, per month. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's insane. And and I'm not talking about like a, a high quality boutique gym. I'm talking about something like if you if you're in the UK, something like the gym, you know, basic um, has your equipment um, type of gym or. Um, not, I'm not going to compare it to Planet Fitness, but basically it was it was very expensive for the type of quality you were getting. Um, but. Uh, this is, uh, you know, circling back to your question, they do have community gyms that uh, were, um, I think, an initiative by the Singaporean government. And basically, this, these community gyms are way cheaper. So we're talking about um, if you're a tourist, uh, like I was, uh, so you pay per entry. You would pay uh, three three-ish uh, Singaporean dollars. And um, so the euro is worth more than Singaporean dollars. So I, I believe it was like two euros per entry, per workout. 
Uh, and if you're a Singaporean, that's just two Singaporean dollars. So that's like a euro something. And if you're a senior or a teenager, you would pay, uh, you would have like 50% off. So that's one thing. The other one was if you're Singaporean, the government actually gives you a hundred Singaporean dollars uh, if you uh, join the gym. So that's pretty much, I don't know, it covers you for a lot of sessions. Like um, my, my math here is not the best, but it does cover you for a lot. And the cool thing is that you had access to uh, cardio machines, a swimming pool, some, um, I believe, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about this, but uh, group classes and things like um, maybe martial arts. I'm not sure about that one. And then you had like a weight section, you know, machines, free weights. Unfortunately, um, the dumbbells think they would only go up to 20 kg. So that's not a lot. Uh, and the machines, you had like one of each and everyone was just hogging them. So one of the downsides is that the community gyms were always packed. But one of the upsides is that, you know, they're a fantastic alternative if you're, uh, you know, short on money or if you just want to stay active. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. And do you have any idea? So you mentioned $100. Everyone gets $100. Is that like per year? Uh, no, I think that's when you join, like for the first time, because yeah. they have an app. Oh, and if okay. you sign up for the app, um, if you're Singaporean, I, I believe you get like a hundred dollars, uh, Singaporean dollars worth of credit. Okay, nice. So did you know that? And I don't know if you knew this. So Singapore has the fifth highest life expectancy in the world. Okay, I didn't know that. And that's after Hong Kong, Macau, Japan, and Switzerland. Singapore also has one of the lowest obesity rates in the world. And I'm sure that these two factors, what you've mentioned, is likely going to be contributing. I'm sure it's not the only factor or the only reason why, but I'm sure it's going to definitely be um, a staple because obviously they're encouraging people to go into the gym. You know, here's $100. I don't know how many sessions that is, but it's going to be enough to at least get you through the, uh, through the door and hopefully enough times to the point you feel comfortable going there and you start going there yourself once the $100 has finished. And um, I feel like that could definitely be one major reason. Do you think, or do you have a, an idea as to potentially maybe just from your experience there, I know you weren't there for like a, a long time, but just from, I guess, the time you were there for, do you have any maybe potential feelings or 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 reasons why those two factors might be the case in regard to their very high life expectancy and low obesity rate? Okay, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I actually talked to a lot of Singaporeans because uh, I'm just naturally curious and I always like to kind of ask questions such as, you know, do you like living in Singapore? Uh, what do you think about the culture, the fitness culture or the the food accessibility? Like I, I like to uh, talk to locals about, uh, you know, how they perceive, um, you know, the their country. Um, to be fair, so let's start with the life expectancy. One of the things I noticed a lot was, um, so Singapore, if if you're listening and you don't know, Singapore is very hot and very humid. Uh, so we're talking about 30 something Celsius with um, 
I think sometimes it was 90 plus uh, percent humidity. So it's, you're just sweating from existing pretty much. Um, this means that a lot of people wake up early in the morning to go for a run or to go for a walk or they run uh, in the evening. Um, I myself, I like walking in the morning. So uh, actually I was living at the time with um, a family uh, an Indian family, and they were awesome because this uh, this lady, she was a fantastic host, and she invited me pretty much every morning to go on a walk at like 6 a.m., just before the sunrise. Um, and it was one of the few times of the day uh, that was actually nice to be outside. It wasn't hot and humid. Uh, and at 6 in the morning, you would already see a ton of uh, older people just practicing uh, either yoga or Tai Chi or just, you know, doing something together. So you do see a lot of that community aspect, which I think is very, very important, uh, not just for the physical self, but also the mental health, because um, I'm, I, I know there's research on this, but I can't really reference anything because it's outside of my uh, scope of practice. But I do know that uh, sense of community is something that it's important for your mental health and it can also help avoid uh, symptoms of depression and basically just um, improve your life expectancy. Now, with the obesity rates, honestly, uh, so there's two things here. Um, I know, uh, like I didn't see a lot of overweight or obese people. There were some, but they weren't the majority. Um, I think that's because a lot of people in Singapore, they walk. And this is because um, it's very, very, very expensive to own a car. Uh, you have to pay. Uh, so again, Singapore is very small. You have to remember that. So you have to pay uh, a specific tax to have a car. And then cars are considerably more expensive because it's, uh, I believe it's uh, a way that the government came up with to kind of um, avoid having too many people driving around Singapore because, again, small country, if you have, if everyone has a car, it's going to just be a traffic jam pretty much nonstop. So there's this huge barrier to having your own car. So people rely a lot on public transport and walking, like people walk everywhere. So I guess that helps with uh, energy expenditure. I remember your posts with Italy, you know, how can people eat carbs and still um, have, uh, how can Italy be one of the, or the lowest country in Europe uh, in terms of the obesity rates? So I think walking is, is a big one. Uh, but uh, one of the things I did notice, and I'm not sure if you did any re research on this, again, this is based on my experience and the people I talked to, uh, but even though you don't really see people uh, struggling with obesity, a lot of people that I talked to either struggled with or knew someone that was struggling with um, their metabolic health. So things such as, you know, prediabetes or diabetes, so blood sugar, uh, things such as high cholesterol um, and uh, elevated, um, you know, blood pressure. And again, one of the things here is that even though there's not uh, the obesity uh, pandemic isn't as 
much of a concern there. The um, metabolic health was definitely something that I noticed most people were um, concerned about. And this is because in Singapore, there's not really a cooking culture. So people don't cook. They get their food from um, food courts, which are called hawkers. So it's very normal to just see people walking around with bags. And these bags are, they have food, they have, um, you know, they go to the food court in the morning, they buy maybe breakfast and lunch, and then they go again, they get dinner, they might go for a snack. And these food courts aren't, you know, the pinnacle of health. They're usually those um, stir fried or fried foods. Uh, even if they're not fried or stir fried, they might have a lot of oils. Uh, the the proteins aren't usually the you know healthiest as well. Um, and there's a lot of just fats and carbs and not a lot of protein. So again, even though obesity might not be an issue, I think perhaps the metabolic health or body composition isn't the best as well. And we might be looking at a case of uh, you know, the skinny fat example that you're not overweight and you're not skinny, but in terms of metabolic health, you're not in a great place either. Again, this is based on my experience. Um, so I'm not saying these are facts, uh, but that's that's something that kind of shocked me. Mm, that's what you said a lot of interesting things that I'd like to expand upon. And uh, two come to mind right now. Number one, I'm going through them in order of what you said. I'm sure the public transport as well out there must be really good. That's a, a massive assumption. I could be wrong. No, they're they're pretty good. And everything's on time. So that's fantastic. So that's probably another reason why everyone's like, I'm, on top of the fact that it's very expensive, like you said, everyone is opting for public transport as well because it's incredibly reliable. Because, <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking about to, when I would live, when I was living in South London or even in Portugal now, you know, the train can say one time, it doesn't mean anything. So it, so that's one reason. Like, it, it's just not very reliable here. Whereas, yeah, in Singapore, I can imagine it really is. And then the other reason that I wanted to mention was, so you were mentioning that everyone is, like, staying on top of their readings in regard to maybe, like, cholesterol or diabetes, etc. This sounds like, and I just got the impression, a lot more... Mm, I don't know. Again, we're just going from your experience here. It sounds like there was a lot more awareness around these types of things. Or was it just because maybe you were maybe more around maybe a fitness sort of environment, I'm assuming? I, I don't know. Tell, tell me, because I'm thinking I wouldn't be surprised if that was really the case in Portugal or England. But I feel like maybe it's not being as spoken about because I feel like a lot of people just don't check it unless mm. something really bad happens. Yeah. But are they just staying on top of it more out there? What's going on? So that's a great question. Uh, you actually have a lot of ads uh, wherever you go, especially like uh, around public transportation, like uh, the buses or uh, the subway. You'll just see these uh, ads um, by the Singaporean government basically saying, you know, uh, have you checked your uh, blood sugar? Have you checked your cholesterol? Uh, when was the last time you had, um, you know, just check your health? Or I remember seeing some as well for, uh, did you know that the food you're eating in the hawkers, so the food courts, have um, more than the daily recommended sodium intake? Um, so they do have a lot of just kind of ads to raise awareness. 
And then it was very interesting. So the, the people I talked to, they weren't in the fitness scene or space. I talked to, you know, Uber drivers, uh, people I met at food courts, uh, people I met doing, just doing uh, tourist stuff. So these were maybe people that don't even care that much about fitness, uh, but they still value their health or at least Again, it could be my bias, you know, maybe the the people I talked to, they were all into these things. But uh, from a general perspective, uh, it does sound like the government is trying to raise awareness and people, they are a, a bit aware, at least from my experience. That's, I think everything you said has been really insightful and very interesting about the ins and outs there and uh, it's made me curious to experience it as well someday um so yeah the apps part is is interesting to hear because i've never really heard of that being the case in europe i don't recall ever seeing it in the u.s um one thing i do remember one time they had an ad in the uk probably around 2019 or 2018 where they were saying Oh, I don't even want to get it wrong, but it was like an ad about obesity or something. And it quickly got cancelled because I I can't remember how the message was phrased. Again, this was a while ago, but yeah, it just didn't really happen. And that's the only ad that really comes to mind for me. And it probably wasn't delivered in the best way. Again, I can't remember if I, I, I don't remember what I thought of it because I can't even remember exactly how it went. And I'm not saying, you know, maybe it wasn't comparable. Maybe they're delivering it a lot better in Singapore. But yeah, that's just an example of the only ad um, that I remember seeing that a lot of people were speaking about. Um, one thing that makes me quite curious is because you were there for a while, do you, like how did you approach your own nutrition then if if you were trying to be mindful of it? Or was it just a case of mm. I'm in Singapore or I'm I'm traveling around Asia for a while. It's kind of just going to be whatever. I'm going to enjoy myself. And then once I'm back in Portugal, now I'll get back into the swing of things. Mm -hmm. That's a, another great question, and it, it was it was challenging to stay on top of my um, I'm going to call it my regimen. So just the usual routine. Uh, so I do believe that when you're traveling, let's say on vacation for one or two weeks, and you want to enjoy yourself, I don't think you need to worry that much about uh, staying on on track with every single thing. But in this case, this was kind of a I'm not going to call it long trip, but like medium, like seven weeks. Um, basically, I know that if I don't have some structure with my routine, and that means, you know, maybe training a few times a week, uh, making sure that I'm eating at least uh, nutritious foods, I know that I won't feel great energy-wise, you know, productivity. Um, it just it, it doesn't really work for me. So I know that I need to have a bit of structure, even if it's basic stuff. Um, but again, I also wanted to experience the culture because I was in Asia. I, I really love um, Asian cuisine, um, more like uh, especially I would say Japanese, probably one of my favorites. Uh, although I, I got to experience some Cantonese in Hong Kong and the Korean food is actually pretty damn good, too. Uh, and uh, Malaysian food. So every place, I went to, yeah, every place <laughs> I went to, they have uh, some very good food and, you know, other things that I didn't think were that amazing. So especially, you know, with my background in cookery and food production and being a, a foodie, 
I wanted to balance the nutrition and also experiencing the culture. Again, I knew that I was only going to be there for seven weeks. And even if my nutrition or training, uh, you know, weren't the best throughout those seven weeks, I know that it wasn't the end of the world because I would go back to Portugal. I'd go back to my routine. And if I did lose some progress, I'd get it back. Um, to be fair, from a body composition standpoint and, you know, fitness, strength, et cetera, perspective, I lost a bit of muscle. I lost some strength. I gained a bit of body fat. Um, I lost weight, which is interesting as well. I, I kind of jokingly say that I experienced uh, the opposite of body recomposition. So it doesn't sound good if you say body decomposition, that's not a thing. Uh, but basically I lost muscle, I gained fat uh, while losing weight. So that wasn't fantastic, but I don't really regret it because it allowed me to, um, I, I didn't feel uh, restricted. I was, you know, if I was prepping meals at home, I would still eat protein, veggies, uh, whole grains, or just carbs like sweet potato actually singapore this is just a an interesting fact but i had the best sweet potatoes like ever in singapore um and i, I don't know why but they were literally just japanese sweet potatoes and they were amazing like super good i couldn't like i kept buying them because i couldn't uh stop eating them they were really really good so if i was home I eat usually like sweet potatoes. Uh, they have like a cool thing about Singapore is that they're like a, a hub in Asia where you get products from all around Asia. So you have uh, produ produce from um, you know, China, Japan, Korea, Malaysia. So I had access to vegetables that I never eat here in Europe and they were super cheap and quite tasty. So I... You know, I love cooking, so I bought every week different vegetables, different fruits, uh, sweet potatoes. I bought them pretty much every week. Uh, and then I would just cook with different things, like sometimes soy sauce, sometimes uh, miso, uh, sometimes um, just a mix of European and Asian. Uh, that's when I was home. And then I also um, went to a lot of uh, these food courts to try out the, the food. Uh, one note is that Last year, uh, so not last year, uh, 2022, I was in Singapore for a week. So this wasn't my first time in Singapore. And when I was there for the first week, I pretty much tried all the Singaporean food. So this time it was more about trying foods that I already knew I liked or maybe just trying something different. Uh, I would say I went um, like full foodie mode when I traveled to Hong Kong, uh, Malaysia, and Korea. That's like when I didn't care about nutrition because I was only staying there for uh, three to four days. And again, one hot day doesn't make a summer. So I just enjoyed myself. I ate pretty much all kinds of foods, all kinds of sweets. Um, maybe I had like a food coma, <laughs> but it was it was cool. Yeah, there's a quite a bit. Like, you're, first of all, you're making me miss uh, the food from when I was living in Japan. What you were saying about the sweet potato, like there's seasonal foods in Japan where, uh, like, convenience stores or supermarkets, or you know, I guess just local markets will just 
sell things within one season and then in another they'll switch and i remember there was a season in which they were selling like it was a supermarket right outside my gym and they were selling this hot sweet potato warm cooked tasted mm. amazing and there was a time after my training i would always get that because it tasted so good they would put honey on it and it was just i couldn't believe how nice it t- i was like wow like this is, I, i'd never had it again and i was thinking about it the other day because i miss it and now you've uh, made it come into my mind again and uh, i bring that up for absolutely no reason just because i need to <laughs> i need to share it because yeah it was just amazing and i can i can relate on that part um so with all of that said and i remember and you i was going to say what are tips you would give to people if let's say they're going away abroad for a while let's say and what we can say is assuming let's say they're going away for longer than a week or maybe two weeks because like you said if you're going for maybe just like 10 days or less it's kind of whatever you know just enjoy yourself more than anything like you said one hot day doesn't make a summer unless you live in england and <laughs> and you'll be fine like you'll get you'll get back on track once you're you're back in your home country and sort of back in routine and and you'll be fine so let's assume they're going for longer than like two weeks uh, what would you say to someone who like yeah what's some good advice you'd give to someone who wants to maybe pay some sort of att- attention to their nutrition and training mm. yeah so you know i'm a guy that i i truly believe that saying that says um if you fail to plan you plan to fail so i like a bit of structure but i don't like uh too much structure when i'm traveling what that means is um if there's something that i really want to try so for example uh i believe it was in 2022 i went to italy for the first time uh rome uh and you know they're big on their uh gelato mm-hmm. uh, ice cream right um and i remember so when i'm in italy uh i definitely want to have some ice cream you know that's something i want to do that's a hell yes for me so nutrition uh wise I uh knew that ice cream was something that was part of my plans but let's say I'm not a big fan of um so this is might be a good example I'm not a big fan of uh, tiramisu which is very big in Italy right but my brother absolutely loves it so my brother uh in like every single restaurant we went to and we were eating out pretty much uh every day we were only there for I believe 4 days so every uh lunch and dinner was at a restaurant uh every single time we had a meal he would ask for a tiramisu um cuz he wanted to see which place had the best one like i could i could have also uh had one for myself but since i'm not a big fan i don't really care that much so for me that was it wasn't a hell yes it was like a eh, i don't really care if i miss out on this although you know i would try it every now and then but it wasn't something that just because it was accessible i would eat it and this is a long-winded answer to say that you need to know your priorities and your goals so if you're traveling for let's say more than 10 days and uh you don't really have a lot of uh fitness goals you would just want to focus more on overall health and staying active i would say you know keep prioritizing eating uh protein with every meal that's like a a staple uh whenever possible try and sneak in some fruits and vegetables uh and eat until you're satisfied not until you're full 
because it's very easy to go to a different country. And since, you know, everything's new, everything's tasty, you, instead of eating a normal portion, you tend to overeat. And if you do this for a while, let's say three weeks, you might get a, you know, you might gain a bit of weight. Again, it's not the end of the world, uh, but most people wouldn't like that. So again, this is how I structure things is if it's a hell yes, I'll do it. If it's not a hell yes, then I'd rather prep my meals uh, because I really do like my food. I, I know how to cook uh, food that is tasty and, you know, suited to my preferences. Uh, so if, if I can, I'll have that balance, like prep something, let's say for lunch and then go out to dinner and have whatever I, I want. Uh, but if I find myself going to a restaurant like here in Italy uh, every single day, Italy is not a good example because it was only four days and I didn't really care that much. But in Singapore, uh, there were days that I went to these uh, hawker centers, the, the food courts, and I didn't really want to eat, you know, oily foods or stir fried uh, stuff. Um, so one of the cool things is that Singapore, one of their most famous dishes is called Hainanese uh, chicken rice. And this is basically uh, steamed chicken with, uh rice that was cooked in the chicken's broth and some veggies and i knew that this was my go-to option if i kind of wanted to stay on track um but still you know eat out with friends so that's an example of if you don't plan you plan to fail in this case i had a backup plan i prepped meals every now and then and i also gave myself you know permission to just eat whatever when I wanted to eat whatever, instead of just being like, well, you know, got to eat this now. Yeah, I think that was a, a solid answer. There were a bunch of gems in there as well that, you know, you as the listener would be really, would do well to be mindful of if you do want to pay some sort of attention to your nutrition, to your health, to your fitness, if you are going away for an extended amount of time for whatever reason it might be. I think another, uh, quite, uh, another good addition to that would potentially be to be mindful of perhaps like alcohol as well, because it's quite easy to get carried away with alcohol. Uh, so I, I would say that could be quite a good addition. Um, because yeah, alcohol is, like I said, it's just, it's just something that's very easy to get carried away with. And before you know it, you might be um, three, four, five pints down. And if this is a regular occurrence, then it's, it's definitely going to make any sort of um, progress or even maintenance challenging. So with that all said, with that all said, was there anything else you wanted to add before I go into the final two or three lighthearted questions of this podcast episode that I wanted to ask you? Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to add one thing um, that might be uh, important, which is Singapore is considered the most expensive um, place to live in the world. Uh, it's uh, I, Yeah, I believe it's Singapore and then New York comes right after. Um, and you might be wondering, why am I sharing this? So um, it's not just the rent and the gyms that are expensive. It's not just the cars. The food is quite expensive as well. And this was also something that uh, I had to consider because, uh, again, I like financially, Singapore, even if it was just seven weeks, it was a big investment. And the food was also... Um, especially compared to Portugal, which is cheaper than most countries, uh, the food was very expensive. Um, and 
this also helped me kind of stay on track because, you know, guess what? Local fruits and vegetables, very cheap compared to uh, everything else. Um, local products, for example, they had uh, Singaporean chicken. Um, it was also considerably cheaper than uh, beef or pork or fish. So that's something I had uh, quite often. A tempeh, oh, that's huge. Tempeh, so just to give you a bit of a reference, I, I can't remember the, the prices in the UK. Uh, I did have some good tempeh in, in the UK, but here in Portugal, I believe, um, and I hope I'm not saying this wrong, but I believe 250 grams of tempeh is like close to five euros. Uh, like in uh, Singapore, because, you know, tempeh comes from Indonesia and you're very close to Indonesia. Uh, in Singapore, I could buy like 200 grams of tempeh for 50 cents. Um, so that was an easy choice for me. I love tempeh. It's a good plant-based protein source. Uh, so I had a lot of uh, that. And this is just another way of how sometimes your budget might also um, kind of affect how you structure your nutrition. So in this case, I, I knew I was going to stay there for seven weeks though it wasn't a short term. For example, compared to Italy, even if I spend a bit of money on food, it's just four days. If I spend a lot of money in Singapore, it's seven weeks. And I remember uh, this one time I went to a restaurant with a friend and I wanted to pay dinner. At the end of the, the night, it was 100 Singaporean dollars, which is like uh, close to 80 euros. And you might be wondering, okay, but was it a fancy restaurant? And no, it was just a, a normal a restaurant. Now, I'm not saying you can't go to a cheaper place. You you can definitely find cheaper places, especially the the food centers, the hawkers. Uh, but overall, it's uh, it's an expensive place, and that was also something that I had to factor in with my nutrition. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Budgeting will uh, be a big big factor in regard to a lot of the conversation that we had. Um, so overall, bro, I think there was a lot of uh, gems in everything you said. I think it was very interesting about uh, the, some of those insights that you shared about Singapore and why potentially their life expectancy is quite high, why their obesity rates are, are very low. Um, so before we finish, there were, yeah, like I said, a few lighthearted questions I wanted to ask you. So what was your favorite country out of all the ones that you visited, would you say? You know, you're not the first to ask me that question, and it's always very hard to answer. Um, I would say, so to be fair, I, I did really like Singapore, but to give a bit of um, of insight, uh, I'm not the biggest city guy, so I prefer, um, you know, a bit of the, the countryside. I like nature, uh, and Singapore is a big uh, city. It's I, I'm not sure if I would call it a concrete jungle because you do have a lot of parks uh, and some of them are pretty cool. It, it reminded me of London in that, uh, um, in the sense that London, you know, it's a big city, but you also have those parks here and there. Uh, but so, ah, man, this is tough. But basically, I really liked Korea, like Seoul. Uh, South Korea was really nice because even though it was a city it had a different culture 
Uh, the food was very, very good. Uh, the people dressed uh, differently from Singapore. Um, the neon signs like uh, on the buildings uh, and just kind of wandering around and exploring. There was also a, a national park uh, 45 minutes away from Seoul. So I took a bus at like six in the morning and I went for a hike and it was minus three degrees. Uh, so that's, yeah, minus three Celsius. And I was just going up the mountain by myself, like seven in the morning. And I thought, man, this is amazing. Like 45 minutes ago, I was in the heart of the city. Now I'm in a national park. So I think Korea was was awesome. But Hong Kong was also really cool, especially because I visited a friend of mine that lives there. Uh, so, you know, she's a local. She speaks the language. She knows the restaurants. Uh, she showed me a lot of fantastic places. So both, I'd say, Hong Kong and Korea were the, the highlights for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think every every place I, I, I've been to, like they had their pros and cons. Okay. And considering we discussed so many different types of foods and dishes, from your entire time there, if there was like one meal or one snack that you would love to have again, With it, does there is there one that comes to mind? Okay, <laughs> so uh, I can think of one from each place. So, for example, uh, Singapore, they have this coconut egg jam uh, that um, it's called kaya. So that's K A Y A. Basically, you can't get it anywhere else in the world besides Singapore and Malaysia. And that's like so good, but like I'm not even the biggest uh, like sweets guy, but that jam is my jam for sure. Like absolutely, like I brought, I believe, so just for myself and my brother, I bought I I brought like five jars, and then I brought a jar for uh pretty much uh every member of my family, and everyone devoured it. I'm not gonna lie. I devoured maybe two jars on my own and each jar was close to half a kg. So I ate a lot of that and, and I love it, you know? So that's one. In Korea, I had this uh, two, two amazing things, actually. I had the uh, Korean fried chicken, which is the perfect combination of sweet and spicy. Oh man, I just remembered another one. I had the best dumplings of my life in Korea. Uh, yeah, really, really good. And uh, also had something which is called gimbap, which is basically the Korean version of sushi. And that was very, very good. Um, and I just remembered another one. This is the last one in Korea. So Korea had a lot of good food, which is the red bean bao, which is just like a dessert with red bean paste. I'm a sucker for red bean stuff. So that was really good. Uh, and then in Malaysia... I ate a lot of good things, but one in particular stood out. Uh, it was a, a dessert that visually it does not look appealing like or appetizing. It just doesn't look fantastic. You look at it and you're like, uh, am I going to eat this? But the flavors were just amazing. Like um, you have a bit of uh, pandan, which is like a leaf like uh, from Asia. You have uh, coconut milk. Um, you had red bean. 
again, red bean is uh, my jam. So that one was fantastic. And I know I didn't mention Hong Kong yet, but Hong Kong also had one thing I just remembered. And that was possibly the best thing I ate in 2023, <laughs> which was a salted egg custard bun, which nice. is basically, imagine, you know, the Chinese uh, bread, like the fluffy bao, um, with nice. Yeah, with salted egg custard, but it's, they call it molten lava. So it's really, really hot. And I don't know, it just, it, it clicks like something within me, like everything was perfect. And it, that for me was, it's, it's not even a 10 out of 10. It's like a 9,000 out of 10. Like it just blew the scale. It was so, so good. So you didn't like it then? <laughs> no, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, no, that sounds amazing wow best food of 2020 uh, two, uh 2023 i was gonna say 2003 um okay yeah well i have a list of foods that i need to try if i ever go to those countries now or when i go and uh, one last question do you have any other travel plans uh, plans coming up uh yeah yeah i do i mean honestly after singapore i'm really enjoying my time here in portugal again with the routine it's very nice like i love traveling but when you're traveling, it's harder to stay on track with, you know, the business and just life. Uh, but I'm going to explore uh, a place I've been meaning to go for a long time now, which is uh, Madeira, uh, you know, the Madeira Islands. Um, I'm going to go there a small, like, uh, four days, I believe, just going to explore that. And then maybe in this one, I'm I'm very excited about this one. It's, it's a probably going to happen in late October. I'm planning to go to Japan for about a, a month, like four weeks. And that's just, that's going to be like the one big trip in 2024. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, buckle up work until late October. And, you know, usually in our line of business, like the fitness space, uh, usually towards the end of the year, things kind of calm down a bit with Christmas coming up. Uh, so I think that's a good timing to explore Japan. I know you've been there. Uh, Japan has been on my list for a long, long time. And uh, I think it has the potential to be one of the best, if not the best uh, trips uh, ever. Yeah, it's amazing, bro. You will love it. And just hearing you go soon makes me miss it even more. I'm hoping to do like a big trip eventually to 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 go back because I, I do miss it a lot and when i go i want to go for like at least a good two months or something so yeah we'll see um but otherwise miguel thank you so much for coming on again for the third time now <laughs> where can people find you um they can find me i'd say i'm most active on instagram so my ig is pretty much my name that's miguel d mendez uh, with an s um and then, you know, I also, I've been writing more on Medium. It's also the same, exact same handle. I keep it simple. My website is the same thing, Miguel uh, D, as in, uh, you know, Dice uh, Mendez with an S. Uh, you know, keep the brand consistent. But that's pretty much, I'm, I'm most active on Instagram these days. TikTok, not so much. I'm not sure if you're still on that. And not so much. I, I would say I'm more active on Instagram and X nowadays. Mm, yeah support social media and uh yeah that that does remind me if you are listening from miguel's side then you can drop me a follow at leo alves pt 
Alves is spelt with an S as well, which <laughs> us Portuguese have to emphasize, otherwise someone's going to put a Z at the end. Yep. Um, so yeah, Leo Alves PT, uh, which you can find all of these links in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. And uh, so you can just click on there if you want to find more. Or yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast episode as well, then do be sure to subscribe, potentially leave it a review and uh, so you can hear more in the future. Otherwise, uh, Miguel, thank you again so much for coming on. That was a, a very fun conversation, which I didn't actually plan for. But like I said, I always just uh, come up with these things whilst I'm on the spot. Yeah, it was awesome. And I just want to say uh, to anyone listening, please drop a five-star review because it's uh, scientifically proven that it's going to increase your gains by 29.33, uh, repeating, of course, percent. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely not saying this um just so you rate five stars but definitely do rate five stars that clip is going to be an instagram reel yeah do it <laughs> see ya thank you bro yeah thank you it was uh it was a lot of fun that wraps it up for another episode of the leo alves podcast i do hope you enjoyed listening to this episode if you did then please do consider sharing it with your friends family group chat or even anyone else who you know could be interested in listening to that episode otherwise if you haven't already then please do leave a five-star review on whichever platform you are listening to this on and remember all the relevant links such as the inquiry form to potentially become a keros online member my social media handles a free fat loss guide and a free workout plan are all also found in the show notes of this podcast episode as well. Otherwise, take care and I'll see you around.